One of the greatest obstacles to crafting health and wellness is identifying and controlling inflammation. It's at the core of all complex and chronic diseases, and it's the driving mechanism that underlies the most common symptoms that people like you struggle to overcome. Join us as we explore cutting-edge science and research to give you the information and tools you need to create the quality of life you want and deserve. And now, here is the host of Inflammation Nation, Dr. Stephen Nosworthy. Hey there, we're back now with the Inflammation Nation discussion about hormones and hormonal systems. Um, and before I get started, I just want to let you know that uh, I know that I'm a day or two late from my normal uh, podcast release schedule, and that just simply because I've been recovering from so shoulder surgery uh, over the last uh, two and a half weeks. Um, on the mend, things are looking really good. I'm very hopeful that everything's going to be back to normal. Unfortunately, it's a long haul. It's about a six-month recovery process until I have no restrictions whatsoever, but it has slowed me down in that immediate post-surgical period, and, and we'll be back to normal schedule very, very soon. So in the meantime, thank you for continuing to listen with each of these podcasts that we put out. All right, so where are we? Well, last time uh, we talked about how we know of about 50 or so hormones in the human body, uh, but that doesn't mean that we actually have ways to test for them or ways to manipulate them through diet, lifestyle, or supplementation. And many hormones that we know about um, aren't even available as part of something like hormone replacement therapy. And generally, when we talk about hormone replacement therapy, uh, we're usually referring to reproductive or gender hormones. And, and usually, we categorize them as you know, estrogens and progesterones being for women and androgens, most notably testosterone, being for men. And, you know, that's a very simplistic way of looking at things. And, and certainly there is some truth to that. But um, if you don't know this, many women are taking some form of testosterone to their great benefit. And some men might be taking progesterone also to their benefit. And so these distinctions between strictly male and strictly female hormones is, is not entirely true. Uh, and there's, there's a lot more nuance to that. So what we want to do right now is, um, in, in fact, before we talk about what hormones do what for both men and women, let's talk about which of those 50 or so hormones that we know about should you care about and why. You know, the reality is if we, even if we had tests for all 50 hormones that we know about, um, I'm not sure that it's a, a clinically practical or expedient thing to try to test for all those things. Uh, probably first and foremost, because when you start to try to manage more than a couple of hormones at the same time, it gets really dicey because there's a lot of interfunctionality between hormonal systems. And when you change one thing, it tends to have an impact on others. And sometimes that's for benefit and sometimes things don't work quite as well. And so the more things that you are trying to change at the same time, the harder it becomes to actually get the outcomes that you're looking for. And so even in the realm of hormone replacement therapy, it's almost always better um, to do the least amount possible to get the greatest benefit, right? So again, I don't think it's practical to, to even test for all the 50 if we do. But, you know, we, we want to know what are the most important hormones? And like I said, why you should care about them. And ideally, you know, if I could give you a ranked list, you know, like a list ranked in order that reflects, say, the universal value of hormones, like this hormone is always the most important. It doesn't matter who we're talking about. I really can't do that. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, um, two things are, I think, of note and very important here. Number one 
is that there is an interdependence between hormonal systems that you just can't get away from. And so to say that one hormone is universally more important than others is a little bit of a stretch. But ultimately, at the end, what's important is what's important to you. The most important for you to focus on is the one or two or three that's not working. So in no particular order, let's start with the thyroid hormones and understand that thyroid hormones are important because number one, they, they regulate your basal metabolism, the amount of energy that you expend just simply at rest doing nothing. But one of the most important things that thyroid hormones serve, one of the most important functions is that they literally activate your DNA. Basically, every single cell in your body has thyroid receptors. And those receptors sit inside your cell, inside the nucleus of the cell, which is kind of like the inner sanctum, if you will. And inside that nucleus is your DNA. And your thyroid receptors basically sit on the DNA or associated with it. And that means that when your thyroid hormones, specifically your T3 hormone or triiodothyronine, when these hormones connect with the thyroid receptors inside your cell, inside the nucleus, associated with your DNA, they turn on the cellular machinery that allows those cells to do whatever those cells are designed to do. So if it's a muscle cell, it helps them to create proteins that repair the muscle to keep it healthy and strong, that allow it to contract. If it's a neuron in the brain, it helps to activate the cell to clean up cellular debris to keep the neuron healthy. It promotes activation and signaling and so on. And you can play that game with pretty much any type of cell in your body. And no cell type or, or tissue type or system is exempt from the influence of thyroid hormones. Um, un unlike, say, estrogen receptors or testosterone receptors, which vary in presence and density with different tissue types, thyroid receptors are found everywhere in the cell. And in the last episode we talked about, towards the end, we talked about how um, hormone receptors work, right? A hormone, in order to exert influence on function, has to go somewhere, find a receptor that's designed to act be activated by that hormone, and then when the receptor binds to the I'm sorry, the hormone binds to the receptor, something happens. And, you know, now you understand with the thyroid, fundamentally what happens is that you get activation of your energy metabolism, you get activation of your DNA, and that keeps cells functioning well and healthy and strong. To be honest, if, if you really forced me to make a choice about which hormone is most important, even though I said I really can't, but if you really forced me to, I, I might lean towards thyroid hormone as being the most important of all, if I really, really had to make a choice. Not because other hormones aren't involved in things like energy metabolism, they certainly are, or even your basal metabolic rate, they certainly are. But your thyroid kind of sits as a cornerstone piece, perhaps in the center of all of these, which are, as I said a moment ago, interdependent in many, many different cases. So just to review, your thyroid hormones are very important for energy metabolism, for establishing your basal metabolic rate, and like I said, turning on your DNA that contains the coding or the instructions for healthy cell function. And without adequate thyroid hormones, and not just the amount of thyroid hormones, but receptors that are actually able to respond to the activation, 
um, people get tired. I mean, fatigue, you, your energy metabolism goes down, they gain weight. One of the things that happens is that, it, you know, even without changing your diet or changing your exercise program, if your basal metabolic rate goes down, the amount of calories that you're eating prior to that now represents a surplus and you can gain weight. In fact, a lot of people with thyroid issues are cutting calories constantly in the gym, working themselves, probably overreaching, not necessarily overtraining. And what ends up happening is they compound the problems with the calorie deficit and thyroid hormone insufficiency. They end up with a lower basal metabolic rate and they start gaining weight on really low calorie diets, which is obviously counterproductive. But even more so without adequate thyroid hormones, the brain doesn't work as well as we want it. We tend to see things like brain fog, focus and concentration issues. There's a big link between thyroid hormones and things like anxiety and depression. And we have multiple studies, mostly in the fields of things like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease, that if someone has a dementia or a Parkinson's disorder and they have a concomitant thyroid disorder, their brain will degenerate faster because of the lack of activation from insufficient thyroid hormones. There's also more depression, increased activation or increased incidence of things like anxiety, poor sleep patterns, there's highest, higher incidence of cardiovascular disease, and to be honest, the list just continues to go on and on and on. And it's a very big list, which goes back to the reality that every single cell in your body has thyroid receptors which need to be activated for cells and tissues and systems to function at optimal levels. Hi there, it's Dr. Noseworthy. I want to extend my appreciation to all of you in the Inflammation Nation who have helped my podcast become a great success in these first few months. I truly appreciate you. I also wanted to let you know about my brand new do-it-yourself online program called the 5-Step Gut Protocol. I designed this program for people who want to take charge of their own health and stop waiting around for someone else to tell them what to do. I've combined old naturopathic principles with cutting-edge research to create a truly unique program that will help you construct your own gut protocol. If you've ever wondered if you have gut infections, a leaky gut, or a bad microbiome, then this program will walk you through the steps to figure that out and gives you the tools that you need to formulate a practical strategy to help make things better. I guarantee at the end of this course you'll know more about your gut than your doctor does and you will feel confident that you know how to address your unique situation. You can check it out at my website at www.drnoseworthy.com. That's drnoseworthy.com. And just look for the tab at the top that says the programs. Thanks for listening. And even though I'm not going to get into it at this point, you know, it really kind of deserves its own mini series on its own. And I've got some uh, earlier podcasts related to Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, it, it is worth mentioning at this point that if you do have problems with thyroid hormones, the most common cause is an autoimmune reactivity, meaning your immune system is attacking some part of your thyroid, causing your hormone levels to go down, uh, and we call that Hashimoto's hypothyroidism. We'll just kind of leave that there for now because it is a, a really big discussion just in and of itself. But, you know, going back to where thyroid hormones sit in, let's say, a hierarchy, to say that thyroid hormones work independently of other hormones would be wrong, as I've already alluded to. And for example, and this is critical, um, thyroid hormones are required for optimal expression of the genes that code for mitochondrial function. And it's the mitochondria in your cells 
that produce the energy that the cells use to do what the cells are supposed to do. But in the, in the mitochondria, the role of thyroid hormones is actually not to directly activate mitochondrial DNA. So even though thyroid hormones are required for mitochondrial function, they don't activate the mitochondria directly. What they do is they indirectly activate the mitochondria by optimizing the function of estrogen receptors, particularly estrogen alpha receptors, and there's different types that serve different functions. And, and so in, in the studies that are published in the you know, biometabolic literature, basically if you, um, if you take animals, most of these studies obviously are, are done in the animal world because they're not going to do studies like this on humans. Um, if, you, if you look at mitochondrial function and you block um, an estrogen receptor, you can increase thyroid hormones and the mitochondria don't respond. But the moment you have intact estrogen receptors, which really are what activate your mitochondria, then you can either tune up or tune down the thyroid functionality, which will either increase or decrease how estrogen is having an impact on how the mitochondria is functioning. And so this is an interdependency. These are codependent hormones, whereas thyroid hormones really play kind of a secondary role, but obviously it's a very critical and a very important one. And so the reason why I'm bringing this up is because for most people, and I'm going to include healthcare practitioners here, for most people and practitioners, they tend to look at hormonal systems as islands unto themselves. You know, we're just going to assess your thyroid and we'll deal with the thyroid. And, you know, obviously, sometimes you have to simplify things. And yes, you can isolate the thyroid from lab testing and all that kind of stuff. But in reality, when you want to optimize function and performance, you want to protect your wellness over long periods of time. You can't just deal with the thyroid by itself. You have to look at it in the context of everything else because that's how the system is designed. That's how it works. And I think that we kind of need to honor the design of the system to make sure that we're doing everything we can from a diet lifestyle supplementation, perhaps even hormone replacement standpoint, to make sure that we're working with the body's natural design rather than trying to force it to do something that is perhaps unnatural. And so this idea of codependent activation is, is really common across multiple hormonal systems. And one reason why thyroid hormone sufficiency is so important is because all other hormone systems work better when the thyroid system is optimized. And that's to say that when you're hypothyroid or something is interfering with thyroid hormone activity, you will tend to see not just thyroid-related symptoms, but symptoms of low estrogen, symptoms of low progesterone, perhaps low testosterone, and even less insulin sensitivity, which is about blood sugar control and regulation. And to add one more thing to the list, um, thyroid hormones work together with cortisol, your main stress hormone, to activate the production of growth hormone upwards of 800 or so percent. And so thyroid hormones have an impact on growth hormone production by themselves, so does cortisol, but when both are optimized, growth hormone activation goes up quite significantly. So ultimately, without adequate thyroid hormone levels, without adequate stress hormones, cortisol, your growth hormone levels go down, and this is perhaps part of the aging process of why people who get sick or have chronic disease, chronic stress, chronic hormonal imbalances, tend to lose body weight, they lose muscle mass, their bone density goes away, and so on, and so on, and so on. So 
very quickly now, um, gosh, I really struggle to keep these little episodes down to 15 minutes or so. So, I mean, if, if it doesn't bother you, like, why don't you guys do me, do me a favor? Um, just drop me a line at podcast at drknowsworthy.com, podcast at drknowsworthy.com, and just let me know if 18, 20 minutes is okay. I, you know, really, ultimately, I want this podcast and the information and the timing to serve the community. Uh, and that's really what we are. This Inflammation Nation project, if you will, is, is about bringing together a community of people that are focused on health and well-being and understand the nature of inflammation and how important it is to be able to control that for health and, and optimized function and performance. Um, so drop me a line and let me know if you're okay with 18, 20, 25 minute episodes or would you rather see, you know, quicker, shorter ones, 8, 10, 12 minutes long. That actually would help me serve you better. So let, let's finish with this. Like, how do you know if you have a thyroid problem? Well, obviously, if you've been diagnosed and you're on thyroid medications, that's a no-brainer. Um, the main question at that point is whether or not your case of hypothyroidism is due to Hashimoto's disease. And that gets down to testing for antibodies like thyroid peroxidase and antithyroglobulin antibodies to see if you have an autoimmune autoimmune mechanism. But I would caution you against, uh, even though I use these myself and in my one-on-one -on -one coaching clients, um, we use these symptom inventories and we're just really, we're not using them to diagnose anything. We're just using symptoms and clusters of symptoms that might relate to certain systems and functions as a way to guide our thought process and to try to answer the question, well, what's the best way to test for things so that we understand what we're dealing with? And so you can fill out an inventory questionnaire of common thyroid symptomatology, but to be honest, things like fatigue and depression and hair loss and weight gain and poor sleep and cold hands and feet and all that kind of stuff, um, these can come from other systems, right? So it doesn't mean that if you have all the classic thyroid symptoms that you actually have a thyroid disorder, and that's where blood testing comes into play. And, you know, we could turn this into a whole discussion about all the different thyroid tests to run and what the reference ranges are. Uh, we'll probably eventually get to that in a different discussion. But for the most part right now, uh, what you want to look for in labs is an elevated TSH level with a low T4 level with thyroid symptoms. Now, there's a lot more to evaluating the thyroid system because there are different components to it. And you can have problems with thyroid hormone production you can have problems with thyroid hormone processing once the hormones are in your body. How does your body handle them? And then you can have problems with what we call the proteomic response, which is how hormones are or are not interacting with your receptor sites to create a level of function. And so while, while I say that, how do you tell if you have a thyroid disorder, trying to diagnose something like primary hypothyroidism, you really only need two tests. You need a TSH and you and you need a T4. And, and I kind of run the risk of oversimplifying things. But if the question you're asking is very simply, am I hypothyroid in terms of not producing enough thyroid hormones, that's what you look for. High TSH with a low T4. And I, I think I'll leave the discussion there for the moment, just simply because I, I literally can spend hours, uh, if not days, talking about thyroid systems and how they work with other systems and how to diagnose things properly. And know ultimately how to manage them. Um, and if you're interested, you can check out my website. I, I have a do-it-yourself course, a couple of different courses that relate to the thyroid that might be of interest to you. They're relatively low cost. They're highly informative. And what I've done is I've taken 
information that we teach in our doctor-only seminars, things that we've been teaching for the last decade or so, and put it into more of a consumer-friendly format and give you tips and tricks and hints about uh, things that you might want to think about for yourself and your own health, but also things that you might be able to do on your own if you don't want to reach out for you know to someone like me or somebody else that does the kind of work that I do um, for help. Um, so having said that, let me just kind of like pull back and, and do a little little summary here. Um, 50 or so hormones, there's no way to really rank them in terms of pure importance across the board. What's most important is the hormones for you that are not working. Yes, physiologically, it does seem that thyroid seems to be more important than everything else, but thyroid hormones quite often work with, in conjunction with hor other hormones, either as a primary or a secondary partner. So the hormonal systems are, uh, in many cases, interdependent or codependent in terms of you need both optimized to have normal function. It just depends on which system and which function we're talking about. So how do you know if you have thyroid disorders or a primary hypothyroidism, high T4 or high TSH and a low T4. It's really that simple. All right, we'll leave it there and we'll pick it up with hormones in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Inflammation Nation. If you found this episode valuable, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Be the first to know when a new episode drops so that you can stay on top of your game. It also helps others like you find the answers they need. And why not head over to my main website, drnoseworthy.com, that's drnoseworthy.com, to explore my personalized functional medicine coaching programs, submit a question to the podcast, maybe take a quiz, or even reach out to me using the contact form that you can find there. We'll see you next time.